All right, it is Monday, February 26th, and of course, it's time for some overreactions. Hello and welcome to this edition of Side Retired. It is Dylan and Nico. And if things go according to plan, this is the last episode that we will not be joined by a guest for this upcoming week. So instead, we're going to play a fun game with you guys. Cody Ballinger signed. A lot of spring training games happened. A lot of first impressions happened. So we're going to play a game. And Nico, it is simple. This is the season for overreaction. This is the time of year where we're going to jump to conclusions. So all of our statements, besides the introduction, I'm first going to say, how are you doing? We're going to say, it's not a big deal, but, and followed by a very controversial hot statement. But before we get into that, how are you doing? Can't complain, bro. I mean, I'm ready to overreact. Again, like you said, this is the time where every single fan of every single club thinks they're winning the World Series. So this is the perfect time to overreact to some stuff. Absolutely. So before we get into the games, I will propose our first statement to discuss. And what's the phrase? It's not a big deal. There we go. But I actually really like the Cody Bellinger contract for both sides. I agree. I think that I think that three years is a good length. I, I think it's obviously not what Bellinger wanted. I think Bellinger wanted something, again, more long term. But I think that, you know, he's getting his AAV that he wanted. And again, I think three years is a good window for him to be to be able to showcase. Was it a one year fluke or is this is Cody Bellinger back? And I think the key to this deal, and obviously if people don't realize the Cubs signed Cody Bellinger to a three year, $80 million contract while you were sleeping Saturday night. The big takeaway from here is it's 30 million year one, 30 in year two and 20 in year three. However, Bellinger has an opt-out, which people are not talking about, at the end of year one, at the end of year two. So what I take this deal as is it's a $30 million guarantee for one year. If Bellinger performs really well, like he did last year, he's going to opt out. But this also guarantees Bellinger an additional $50 million for if he goes back to sucky Cody Bellinger, that he's not going to opt out. He's going to have $50 million in the bank as a reward for the really good year that he had this year. And if you're the Cubs you're banking on him being really good for one year and opting out. And at the end of the day, $50 million, while it's a lot of money in baseball, it's far different from had Cody Bellinger signed a six-year 180 or an eight-year 200. $50 million, you just write the check, you eat it, and you're done with it. But it has the potential, and I'd say the more likely outcome for this is it's a one-year deal, $30 million, Bellinger performs really well, or even if he doesn't replicate what he did last year, the, the Cubs still get a good season. And then all of a sudden, Bellinger hits the free agent market next year, where he's the premier outfielder, not named Juan Soto, where I think that could go well for him, given there's going to be a lot of suitors for Soto. And then he's like the consolation prize, whereas this year he was that main attraction. Go back to our recent episode if you want to hear more about that. But Cody Bellinger, thoughts in general before we continue our fun game? I think that... This is exactly what Bellinger wanted. I think if he couldn't get if he couldn't get the long the, the long contract, I think that Bellinger got the AAV. And again, it's like you said, there is a very big market for being the number two guy. And I think that the 
everything that's been bad for Bellinger's market this year is going to be calm next year if he decides to opt out. If he decides to opt out, then it meant that he had a very good year. And that's basically going to just ensure that he gets a lot more money and a lot more years because the biggest thing is his reliability. So again, if he's reliable, the, that being number two behind Juan Soto is going to be very profitable, especially if he's shown consistency, because that ceiling for him is going to be just so much higher than it was this year. I have a follow-up because I know the plan was we were going to keep alternating on these statements, but I did just spark a follow-up one if you're down for it. Let's do it. What's our phrase again? I don't want to. It's not a big deal. I will get this by the end of the episode. It's not a big deal, but to us it is a big deal because the Cubs hate Matt Mervis. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's. It seems like it's the beginning of the end for Matt Mervis with with the Cubs. Hopefully, you know he can succeed somewhere else. But this all but solidified that he's not in their future. Because not only did they sign Ballinger, because you could then make the argument that oh. They just want Belly to play center, which I don't know if that's the case because they've been hyping up Pico Armstrong for a while. So I think he's got the center field job unless he goes to right, say as the D8. Some weird combination could happen. But odds are they're planning on Belly being the first baseman because in the last 24 hours they also signed, and this will get Nico out of playing our favorite MIL free agents deal. Dom Smith is a Chicago Cub now as well. They signed him this weekend. And former Miami Marlin Garrett Cooper was also signed by the Miami Marlins. So they also made a trade for Michael Bush from the Dodgers and said he's learning first base. Oh, by the way, Christopher Morrell is also learning the corner infield spots of third and first base this spring. That puts Merv at like sixth on the depth chart. I know he struggled on in his first performance this year, but he's still a very solid prospect and someone's going to want him, but it seems yeah. like for some reason it's not the Cubs. Yeah, I think he's just going to need new territory. He's going to be fine. I think once he finds a new spot, obviously it looks like it's getting clogged for him. Just needs some new scenery, and I think he's going to be he's going to be fine. Yankees, short porch, get it done. Your turn. I didn't want to start with this, so I've been <laughs> I've been using this whole time trying to think of a of one that I could lead with, but it's not a big deal. But Spencer Jones is the next Aaron Judge. Oh, geez. <laughs> Guys, I hate to say it because, I'm uh, again, don't like the Yankees. But did you see what Spencer Jones did? 470 feet later. Three for three. Four RBIs with a 470-foot bomb. That doesn't look good for either of us. That doesn't look good yeah. for the Sox because well, I don't know how deep right center is. That ball's getting out of every single stadium. City field. All of them. Like, like, are we just looking at just they're able to just develop outfielders and we're just going to see two behemoths manning the outfield and then, oh, Juan Soto and left. And it's just going to be like three mountains in the outfield. Well, it sounds like their outfield of the future is Judge, Jason Dominguez in center and Spencer Jones in left. And the albatross of John Carlos Stanton is sitting there for the next eight years. And Alex Verdugo is there too now for the next few years. So I don't, it's not a big deal, but Juan Soto is about to become the best one year wonder ever because we saw how good he is. He had a backside home run that was hit harder than I think anyone ever has at Yankee Stadium in spring training off the left field scoreboard. But if Spencer Jones plays the way we all think he's going to, and Jason Dominguez makes it back by June and July and shows that he's healthy, 
that's arguably the best outfield of the future, yeah, not even including Juan Soto. And there's no, that's the whole thing is I think that the Yankees, at the end of the day, while you want guys to spend money, mm-hmm. if you don't need to, there's no reason to. And I know we're talking about Juan Soto. Every single team needs Juan Soto. We're talking about a top five player in the MLB. But again, like, is it worth allocating all that money for that guy? We can go out and get, again, one of the many pitchers that you have when the big thing, a guy like Zach Wheeler. When we're talking about, yeah, he hasn't got an extension. Yeah, we don't know if he will. But that level of consistency that you've been looking for and just having Zach Wheeler, him, if Spencer Jones is anything close to what we saw this weekend, I mean, Jesus, it's going to be it's going to be so annoying. I'm ready to cry when I say this, but five hundred million dollars on Soto versus five hundred million dollars on Max Fried and Pete Alonzo. The second option makes a heck of a lot more sense for the Yankees. If Spencer Jones pans out, absolutely. Like, because the whole thing is can't happen. And again, this is getting like college baseball nerd on it. Spencer Jones, the problem with him was never that he never hit. The Mm -hmm. only problem with him was that he just couldn't stay on the field. And then when he finally, he wasn't like deep in like the like mid rounds. And then he finally stayed healthy raked because that's what he does and then shot up to like the late first round this is what everyone expected of him as long as he stayed healthy which is so scary yeah because i don't want to see him go yard off of brian bay all the time <laughs> or well, speaking of which i'll mention them i don't it's not a big deal but the red sox pitching's a mess <laughs> Like, I don't, apparently Alex Cora did give his press conference and he said there's three locks for the rotation. Brian Bayo is a lock to make the rotation. Lucas Giolito is a lock to make the rotation. And Nick Pavetta has been told he's the number three starter, which again, I personally like Pavetta in that weird, like, long man role where he'd come in and eat up a lot of innings, but apparently he's been guaranteed the three. And then that leaves Hauk, Cutter Crawford, and Josh Winkowski for that four to six roll and they're still throwing out so far the results haven't been pretty and by the way your top pitching prospect brian mata has just been shut down for the next month and a half so yeah yeah we're we're a mess i think again the way that we have to move forward is and hopefully this is now just a prayer the reports have come out that red sox are waiting for the price on montgomery to go down Hopefully it goes down. Don't think it will. Maybe that's just some wishful <laughs> thinking. But I think the important thing for this year, if you don't do anything else right, don't start Garrett Woodlock. And I know it sounds weird that we're saying this as we're talking about how we have um, starting pitching troubles. But Garrett Woodlock needs to be a reliever. It's that yeah. simple. I think that all his effectiveness, again, like this is, again, Red Sox just fandom stuff, but all his chase rates, all his swing and miss stuff has gone extremely down since he's been a starter. The guy was a sub two ERA consistently out of the bullpen. Like you can't, that's not something you get often with consistency. And he was that for two years. And then we thought that we could put him to start. I think that what Andrew Bailey is going to do is going to be very interesting. Again, this is his first pitching coach job. So I'm interested in, in how that process goes. I think they have the tools if, they're able to be good pitchers um, and develop 
to have a good staff, meaning like I think Andrew Bailey could be a great pitching coach. And I think Jason Veritek being like the game coordinator is very effective. Again, it, it's all on the pitchers. It's all on praying that Giolito becomes what the White Sox hoped he became and, and being that true number one. Don't think he'll be that for the Red Sox, but at least he can be a consistent starter. Pavetta is interesting because I, I agree with you. I liked him out of the bullpen, but I, I love Nick Pavetta. The guy's the guy's a dog. So I don't, as long as he's pitching, I'm happy. But I mean, it's not it's not a big deal, mainly because it's it's just status quo for the Red Sox. Again, <laughs> I've been saying it since since November, well, since the season ended. The Red yeah. Sox are going to have a top ten offense no matter who's on the field. And the question is, are we going to allow seven runs a game? And from the looks of it, it's not a big deal, but we probably are. <laughs> You're up next if you want to throw one out there. Yeah, this may be, again, wishful thinking because I love Trout. It's not a big deal. <laughs> love that first. But the Young Angels look good. They do. I really like the Young Angels and what they've built. We talked a little bit a couple episodes ago about Mickey Moniak. Leading off, he went one for three. Trout went 0 for two, but he didn't need to do anything because they scored seven runs without him. Uh, Neto had an RBI. Brandon Drury had a knock, had two runs. Shanuel had a nice knock. Obviously, he got caught at first after Mookie Betts, you know, made that phenomenal play. But this weird thing that they're doing, I low-key love, where they're getting ready college players and they're trusting the college experience that they've scouted and rushing them to the big leagues because they see that level of maturity. It's something that we haven't really seen been done consistently. Like we see it like here and there with some teams. It's working for them. Like Shanuel seems like he's going to be a good piece. Neto seems like he's going to be a good piece. They seem to have figured out Mickey Mania. He looks good going into spring training. Logan Ohapi, I have a lot of faith in. I think he's going to figure it out. They have a lot of pieces. And that's not even talking about the guys that they already have there, like, like Taylor Ward. They could be very sneaky. I don't think their ceiling's extremely high or anything, but this weird thing that they're doing, I really like how they're starting to build. And hopefully it pans out because I would hate to see Trout have to request a trade. I hope that he can find some playoff success with them. Doesn't look like it, but I'm I'm pleasantly surprised by it. Well, for two innings this weekend, the Angels were baffled because it's not a big deal, but two innings, no runs no walks, and five punchies against the Angels. It's not a big deal, but Cole Reagans is winning the Cy Young. It's already begun. Imagine that. Two innings, five strikeouts. There's a video already going around because he struck out Anthony Rendon on a foolish and ugly-looking swing, and everyone's like, yep, there goes Anthony Rendon and his priorities. But no, it's everyone's going to look like that with Cole Reagans this year. The Cy Young campaign has already begun. Two innings, five Ks, zero walks, zero runs dominant from the left side might i also add they're probably gonna get in trouble for this the world were using last year's jersey too yeah uh, <laughs> this one uh, can, we, can we can we like cut that it's not a big deal it is a big deal the uniforms suck <laughs> like why am i seeing people's bulges every <laughs> like filling up my feed guys like the fact that i've seen like Five pictures of people's penises, like just bulging through their white pants is not something that we can be doing. The the letters look terrible. The logo looks terrible. I think who else? Um, someone else did they did their picture day in the there, old there's one. a lot of pictures going like, around where you can see guys shorts, you can I, see the jerseys tucked Trey, in. Trey Turner was honest about it. He said they suck, which is I think they went and they tried, oh, we used it at the All-Star game and everyone seemed to like it. No. 
they look terrible. They're just awful. This has been a disaster. And like, again, like from reports, I don't know how much is true. They say it's like fanatic jerseys with just a Nike stamp on it. I don't know how much, how true that is. If it is, that's just ridiculous. I think that they got to fix this. This is a big deal. It is a big deal. The uniforms suck. Like even the jerseys, they look a little off, but we were all eventually going to get used to it. The, the pants are weird. Like I know MLB claimed they haven't done anything. That's a lie. You can, you can look at photo day. We didn't used to see videos that on Twitter have to be marked as sensitive content in the past. So something's not right. There's videos. There's a giant, I think it was Casey Schmidt. There's a video out there of him on photo day. There's a video of another guy that you can fully see that he's wearing shorts underneath the baseball pants. It there, it is a big deal. We will hundred percent agree on that one, but I got another one for you and it's not a big deal, but Steven Strasburg still has not reported to camp and this situation and this charade is getting interesting. The Nationals say he's still expected to be around the team in order to, uh, it's a whole, they wanted to do his number retirement last year and then they backed out the last second because they said that they expected him to retire and not get his contract. They're now saying he better show up to spring training. He's physically not cleared to throw a baseball, so why should he be at spring training? It's not a big deal, but this relationship is getting sour fast for a guy that is on the Mount Rushmore of Washington Nationals. Yeah. I mean, Ken Rosenthal did a good job on his podcast. Don't want to play any others, but yeah. a really good job of like explaining it. It's just a disaster. I think that uh, he talked about how he's an introvert and they want him to be in a coaching role, which just does not work. Again, mm-hmm. Strasburg is not a very talkative guy and it doesn't seem like he's going to just be the type of guy that shows up and just you know nurtures young guys by just talking to them all the time i i don't think they're from who he is i don't think there's a lot of value in having him it, it just seems like right now it's it's just more out of like spite yeah you got one yeah i guess i'm going to stay with the ao east but because it's not a big deal but the orioles are going to be so good for so long <laughs> like and it, the thing is, I'm not even going to talk about Corbin Burns just absolutely carving up the Red Sox. The guy I want to bring up is is Enrique Bradfield. Like, th- that guy, like, I didn't know what was going to translate because, again, it's it's really hard to see, like, just out of any prospect how, how they translate. Everything that he did in college that made him so dominant is exactly what he's going to do in the big leagues. He went, did every single for him as a double. Went, got up, got a base knock, stole second. The value of having a guy, and again, we're talking about a guy that's not even going to be on the big league roster because the Warriors are so good. When you're talking about a guy who can consistently go and just hit a single and then it's always a double, like that can affect the slugging percentage, but it's just so valuable because the guy's just a walking double Uh and it's going to be pressure on pitchers. And like, that's one of like the guys that we can talk about. We can talk about Kobe Mayo that they have coming up. Keegan Aiken had like a couple of K's today. Cole Irvin had a couple of K's today. Like, just it, it seems like this is going to be the beginning of if they navigate it correctly, it's going to be the, the beginning of, of a road of dominance. Mm-hmm. No, their team is looking really good. Young guy, I'm going to confirm what I believe someone told me. And if this loads, I will confirm it in a second. Yeah, 
It was true. So I'm going to say it. it's not a big deal. It's Jackson Holiday played second base this week. Yeah, he did. So maybe I was right on that one and that Gunner won't move off short for now because that's the plan of he's the shortstop of the future. But Jackson Holiday is still going to play his way onto this team. I know he did go for two with a strikeout. But again, I think when it comes to spring training and stuff like this, it's not going to be about the pure numbers. It's going to be about the feel and how does he look and how does he handle it and how are his at bats and how's he doing in the backfields and stuff like that because obviously it's a big decision and you're not going to base off of just 20 spring training at bats, but it's not a big deal. But Jackson Holiday taking reps at second base seems like that could be his position for at least the 2024 season. Yeah, definitely. They just look so good. It's so, <laughs> it's so dumb. It's so dumb that they look just because I'm I'm a the Red Sox suck. Oh, <laughs> I can't believe you haven't said this one. It's not a big deal, but is Francisco Alvarez gonna hit gonna hit forty bombs this year? Yes, yes, did, he is. Did you see that backside home run? Yes, I did. It was. I don't know what it is, but yet today had a lot of backside home runs. Yesterday they had Check a lot. Out. Check Not out about Friday's episode. Someone said he's a top 100 baseball player next year. I mean, the Mets have been searching since Pete Alonso came up in 2019. It's crazy. I think that's five years ago already. Six years ago. Six years ago. No, how's he a free agent? Five years. 19, 20, 21, 22, 22. Six years. Yeah, this is year six of Pete. Great quick math. The Mets have not had anyone hit fifth behind him from Todd Frazier. To Mark Vienta, to Daniel Vogelbach, yikes, to Darren Ruff, the Mets, to Starling Marte for a little bit. The Mets have tried to get that guy that you could fit behind Pete. That way, people are a little bit intimidated to face Pete Alonso. Is Alvarez finally it? Because you can order your lineup with Nimmo at the top, McNeil at two, you throw a guy like Lindor at three, you put Alonso at four, and then you got Alvarez at five. I think this is finally the area that you finally have your second slugger in the order. I would David Stern. Yeah, I would agree. All right, I got one for you. It's not a big deal. It's not a big you deal. You told me this, Dylan. You were like, I'm going to go with it's not a big deal, and you can't even remember it. It's not a big deal, but Kodai Senga's not pitching until May. That's the earliest. That's a big deal. It's a big deal because I know my whole thing of that the Mets are going to sneak into a wild card. It ain't happening with Tyler McGill pitching on opening day. I love me some Silo, but Sean is getting tattooed in BP by Brandon Nimmo. Pete Alonso smoked a ball 425 feet off of Luis Severino in batting practice. Adrian Hauser is a five at best. And Jose Quintana is, you know, middle of, like I'm not going to. Jose Quintana is not a bad pitcher. The problem is he's the ace right now. And as much as both you and I love Jose Quintana, the pitcher, as a three, as a four, not as the ace, though, I lied. It's a big deal that Kodai Senga is missing all of April, and it's the type of injury that he's going to shut down, they said, at least three weeks, and he's going to need at least six weeks to uh, build back up. That's nine months, that's three, or that's nine weeks, that's at least two months would put us at May 25th. Yikes. April 25th. But like an arm. if only huh? there was a lefty out there that you guys yeah. could it's not a big deal with Jordan Montgomery still sitting out there. <laughs> that was Blake Snell. 
You're up. How many I like more of these do we have? I like this, I like this one. Uh, it's just like stuff, again, like we say it's not a big deal, but it's more just stuff we saw through spring training. <laughs> they are big deals. They're, they're big deals. It's not a big deal. But the Diamondbacks, we may be sleeping on the Diamondbacks a little. Nobody's they look good in their first game. They the only good. person sleeping on them is James Towsing, and he hasn't always well. They look good in their first game. And, again, I think that they have a good recipe for success if this is more of what's to come. I think that Slade Saccone looked good. He's a UM guy. Obviously going to be biased to my Miami guys. He looked good. Obviously, people only know him for a hit-by-pitch out. <laughs> but it counts. He looked good. Cattell looked good. Again, I think that a lot of people, and I think even myself for a little bit, and again, we're talking about a game, but a lot of people were looking at the Diamondbacks to be like the perfect quintessential World Series hangover, mm-hmm. especially what the Dodgers are doing. I think we may be sleeping on them a little too much. I think that especially once we see what Corbin Carroll looks like this spring, that they could be, they can be a lot more of the expectations of what people have for them. I've got two more. I don't know how many more you have, but I could wrap up with these unless you got any others. I'm good to go. I, I'm going to be honest. I'm, I'm running thin. All right. Two more quick ones. Free agency based. One, it's not a big deal, but Tommy Pham said that he hasn't received a single contract offer and that he's looking to sign any day with anybody as long as they offer him money to play baseball. Tommy Pham's a good baseball player. Someone sign him. Mets, Red Sox, Yankees, Royals. Someone sign Tommy Pham. I don't know if we're thinking on the same wavelength, but I have another one that's very related to that. The J.D. Martinez one? Not a big deal, but Joey Votto looks so sad. <laughs> True. Like, Someone signed Joey Votto. Like, just Reds, just just pay him like a little bit. Just pay mm. him a little bit. He stays there. Like the Blue Jays, he wants to go back to Canada. Just one of those two teams. Just please pay him. Let him have like his retirement year where like everyone gives him gifts. He's the quintessential guy that deserves a gift because there's for sure a gift that every single team could give him. Yeah. Get him a retirement tour, please. So it's a perfect segue to describe this offseason in a nutshell, going from guys that are begging to play to it's not a big deal. But J.D. Martinez turned down a Giants contract and said he would never play in the city of San Francisco. Big deal on multiple fronts. A, the Giants can't even convince J.D. Martinez to come play for them for a year. Prove the whole theory that Judge wouldn't play there. Cray wouldn't play there. Like all the big free agents, they keep whiffing. And whenever they identify someone they want, something bad happens to make it not happen. And even J.D. Martinez on a tiny little front here couldn't get a deal done. But it's also a big deal in that maybe this is the mutual problem with free agency right now. And that J.D. Martinez is currently sitting out there without a lot of interest and without a lot of suitors. This apparently was before the Solaire contract and that they offered J.D. one year around 14, 15 he declined it, so he wouldn't play for San Francisco unless they offered him $20 million. Giants pivoted and signed Jorge Soler to a great contract. So maybe that's the Boris school of negotiation, but maybe there's a reason that Snell, Montgomery, Chapman, and now Martinez is the new big four now that Belly's off the market. Those guys just aren't signing, and it doesn't seem... Yeah. Bellinger came out of nowhere. I'll give him credit for that. No one was saying Belly's close. Belly's going to sign this weekend. It was just Boris, one in the morning... He's going back to the Cubs. So maybe that's happening with these other guys, but JD's got zero suitors. Snell's got the Yankees, and that's it. 
Montgomery's flirting with the Rangers and the Red Sox, and Matt Chapman's a mess. So it's not a big deal, but welcome to about to hit March, and these four guys have nothing on their plate. Yeah, spring trainings, um, free agency has been an utter, utter disaster. Like, it, it hasn't been. I don't, I don't know if it was, like, an Otani effect or, like, what it was, but, like, just just a weird free agency. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, we're going to be back later this week. As we just mentioned, we are going to compile a boatload of interviews in the next 24 hours for you guys. We've hit our cycle point where we need to refresh on the guests. So we've got six interviews in the next 72 hours. Buckle up, Nico. But they will be dispersed throughout the next two weeks. A lot of cool, unique perspectives throughout the baseball world. Again, if you haven't listened last week, we had a couple of great interviews, including Tom Brenneman, a longtime announcer for the Cincinnati Reds, Tamara Johnson, the top prospects for the Pittsburgh Pirates. So a lot of cool names if you want to hear our friendly voices here on the podcast. But we'll be back, I believe, on Wednesday. Again, we are transitioning to three to four episodes a week as opposed to the full five. Now the baseball season is in full swing. So you can get your... But I did notice, Nico, and I do admit I listen to other podcasts, whether it's WFAN or other stuff like that. But it seems like when it is baseball season, because I'm also watching a two to three hour game every day, there's less time for a podcast. So we do understand that. So that's why we're giving you more moderation and that you watch your game. And then on the off day for your team, you proceed to listen to an episode or two. Or maybe you get into a routine of every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you start your day off, decide to tire to kick off the week on your drive to work. And then in the middle of the week, you need to pick up on Wednesday, we gotcha. And then you get out of work on Friday and let's listen to the podcast, head to home on our drive. So three a week, I think, is what we're going with for now. Potentially a sneaky fourth when we're feeling frisky on a Tuesday and a Thursday. But moderation in baseball season, watch your baseball and get your fill of side to tire too. We're supposed to be an add-on. Again, it it doesn't matter if you listen to us, listen to, watch the games, and then listen to us. At the end of the day, there's nothing like watching baseball. Go sit down, have a couple beers, watch the game, get pissed, and then listen to our reactions. That's how the that's how this is supposed to work. Again, gotta watch your baseball game, support your home team, support whatever team you like. And then listen to us for some reactions. We're just a couple college kids, you know, have some okay takes from time to time. <laughs> that is true. We will be pumping out, however, now a lot of digital content because, again, you don't have time to listen to a 30-minute episode, but maybe you check out. I know one cool video we did was the checking in on the top 10 Mets prospects from five years ago. Some weird names that a lot of our Mets fan listeners won't even know existed. But the side retired TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Spotify, Apple, all at side retired pod. And for Dylan and Nico, until the next time, the side is retired.